Send it. All right, ready? Ready? Count yeah. down. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. And welcome back to Filling the Table Podcast with your boy T Roy and P Roy. We're coming in live and hot today. Oh, yeah. And we're back, baby. We are back. We're back. The intro just hits a little harder sometimes, and today it hits. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm feeling a little cracked out today, bro. I've been drinking this coffee, and Seven Brew Coffee always hits me really hard. I don't know if they put extra caffeine naturally in it or what, but it smacks. I love the the vibes at Seven Brew, but they're very inconsistent. I'm not hating, but they're inconsistent. If you get the same thing every day, it's always going to be very different. With you like, think? Huh? You think? Yeah. Do you get the same thing every time? Yeah. Yes. I've never noticed that. I noticed like a ma- in like a massive difference in like the caffeine content with like the amount they put in and then with like the flavor and everything. I love going there. It's really good. But like it's always like super like the other day I went, they put straight milk. Like I'll get like a mm-hmm. like they put like straight milk. That's what I mean. Super sweet and was like not even sweet, bro. Just coffee. a shit ton of milk. Like a creamy coffee. Yeah, it looked a little more like whiter than normal and I was like, okay, maybe it's just me. I'm tripping. And then I drank it. I was like, dude, this is just straight milk. Why's my phone going crazy? I don't know, but uh, I want to start off the pod today by just appreciating everybody who's watching. And there's a lot of you guys, about 60% who are watching. My guy's a big numbers guy. Yeah. 60% of you guys are watching, but not subscribed, followed, or following, whatever. Whether you're watching Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just, if you do watch it, just give us a follow. We definitely appreciate it a lot. And uh, also shout out to our 45% female following across all platforms. Appreciate you guys. Kind of weird. Thought. I didn't expect to have a, a 50% total like female Shout out following. to my mom. I know yeah. my mom's one of those females. So like shout out to my mom for always being a support. Yeah. I don't even know who's why. I can't see who, but I just know it's the females. It's definitely t- two of them are me and your mom. Your mom's yeah. always your biggest supporter. I don't know if my mom's watching this, to be honest. She supports me, but I don't know if she watches the pod. I think my mom watches the pod just to keep an eye on me. She, like, she like tries to figure out what's relevant in my life. Yeah. Just so she, that's why she watches the pod. I know for a fact, I'm going to say this. I know for a fact my mom's not watching it because I don't get a weekly phone call about things that I talk about on the pod. Because I think there was one time where she did for like a beginning episode. And she posted it one time on, like, Facebook or something. After that, I haven't heard nothing. So I know for a fact she either got bored or just doesn't like it or what. I'm pretty sure. I feel like we're right on the brink of getting in with Alani. So can you give give him a good show of the camera? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to, like, get picked up by nobody. But, like, we drink a lot of Alani. It's good. Gives us, like, a nice little kick. And I noticed. great. For starting my day, bro. You know yeah. how I am. I used to be a Red Bull kind of guy. I used to be a full throttle kind of guy. But the zero sugar is a difference maker for me. Yeah. I noticed that Alani's definitely marketed towards, like, females. But I don't care. Me neither. It's good. So is, I like frozen, it. so is frozen coffee. But look at me right here. Yeah. I don't really get into that stereotype about, like, male, female type, you know, like, coffees and stuff like that. I think that mm-hmm. that's taking it a little too far. I'm more, I'm one of the more masculine men, and I like to like yeah. drink my frozen coffee. You like your margaritas and like yeah. your moscows instead of like a beer, like whiskey. Yeah, exactly, bro. Yeah, I want to just apologize right now for my voice. I've been like kind of struggling and recovering from a little flu. My hey, voice buddy. is like not 100 percent yet. You want to guest star for us? Come on. Welcome to the table, brother. What's up, buddy? He's always welcome at my table. Man. Yeah. Hell yeah. My buddy's getting old. 
Yeah. His birthday was not too long ago. I think he's like seven, eight, maybe nine. We talked about it he's before, old, too, but he used gray. to be real camera shy. Now he's like all about it. Yeah, he's graying a little bit, but now he's all about the camera. Bro. Yeah, he's all about it. I think he realized that on the pod, he gets extra love because I'm just like mm-hmm. sitting here and I'm not going anywhere. So it's an opportunity for him. Dude, our last episode with Justin, dude, he was like going oh, crazy. On one. He was about to unplug all the setup and I was getting, I didn't want to freak out or stop the pod. I was like, all right, I feel like I can like finesse him and like, like here, here, like go another way. Yeah. But dude, he was just trying to unplug the, the, um, the road over. and everything. It stretches over a lot. Yeah. Cause it's kitchen. raised off the ground. So it's yeah. real delicate. And he was yeah. like, definitely about to trip it. Sitting like that. I don't know. He's weird. Person. He's weird for sure. So, bro, um, I know before we were talking about a couple of things, what do you kind of want to touch base on? I think, uh, yeah, two two days ago, I was in the barber shop. I always talk about our barber. We really want to get him on. but He needs to be our next guest, but I feel yeah. like it just doesn't work out because you know how barber hours are. Yeah, he's, busy. he's a real, like, highly driven guy. He's he does a lot, school. too. He yeah, he's back us. in Yeah, it's going to be tough to squeeze him in, but. I feel like when I go to that barbershop, I'm not going to sit here and talk about it. So I feel like we talked not, about it before. Not to cut you off, but and I feel like we're going to have to go to him. It's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to bring the setup to the barbershop yeah. and do it there. Yeah. But go ahead. Because it's worth it. For yeah, him, for it's sure. worth it. For sure. Not but to cut you off, but go ahead. The the barbershop to me is such like a safe place. I call it like a watering hole. I call it like, to me, it's I feel like going in, every time I go there is like a podcast, like a really good podcast episode. Therapy session, whatever and you want to call it. Not even with him. But the people that also go in the shop, because a lot of them are either like veterans or like entrepreneurs or whoever. It's like people who you can learn something from or like my case, what I'm about to talk about is somebody who is looking for good stuff that you can give to. Like this kid that I was talking to, he's 20 and someone was asking me some questions about my time in the military. And the kid was he was kind of asking me about my time in and. I don't know if he was interested in joining, but I think he was just interested in me and like hearing about what I experienced and what I learned. And you could tell he's a real driven kid. He, he's, um, he wants to make a lot of moves. He's trying to figure out himself, but we started getting into like girls and it's not something that you should always get into. But I feel like if you talk about getting anywhere as a dude, it always ends up getting to women and you know what I mean? What's the ultimate like, reward yeah. as a guy it's yeah like to marry the best possible female that's yeah. that's where i think they say like 90 percent of your happiness long term comes from your partner yeah so if that's the case then like what are we all fighting for is that best partner right so like who do you want to provide for yeah exactly because like, i told him too that's why we do everything we do i was like the if you can this is going to sound rough and this is going to sound like intense but everything you do as like a young or 20 guy should revolve around like getting girls and not literally, but the way that you present yourself, the way you dress, the way you like take care of your body, the way you do, the way you talk, the way you act, everything should be getting girls. Doesn't mean you're running through females. That's what I mean. Yeah. There's a difference between like being a man hoe and just like sleeping with any chick you can get around or just being a high value guy to where you're leveling up and multiple females are attracted to you. There's a difference because that's the goal is to have multiple women around you that maybe not even around you because like i feel like in our scenario we don't have any females directly correlated to us but i mean you get hooped and hollered i get hooped and hollered we don't entertain it but Mm -hmm. you know that's just (laughs) that's just a matter of it that's just what it is yeah and so when you really start breaking it down that's there's it's everything you're doing at that time frame needs to be intentional around leveling up 
Because why are you leveling up in order to secure the happiness that you're going to get from that lifelong partner of yours? Mm. And every guy wants those same partners because there's not many. I say there's not many. It's harder in today's day and age than it has ever been to find partners that really want to work and level up with you and see you succeed and just have a happy, lifelong, long, lifelong marriage of just pure happiness and, and success. Mm-hmm. That's not as common anymore. Look at divorce rates. They're 50% right now. Probably one more. in two people get divorced. Yeah. Think about that. Like you could pick one of us will most likely get divorced. When you start breaking the <laughs> yeah. stats, when you look at the stats, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the reality of it. like 50%. One, if you took two of us, then one of us in theory will get divorced. And I feel like less people are getting married too. So that stat should be a lot higher. Well, that's like. why birth rates are down too. Yeah. That has a, all of that plays into effect. Yeah. It's because everything's a lot less affordable. So you have to wait a little bit longer to be able to sustain a lifestyle. Like that's why me and my girl haven't got married or done you know, like she's finishing up school so that she can have a job that pays pretty well. Mm. I'm starting a company that's, you know, trying to build something, a brand for us to be able to be successful built upon. And mm. so it's, you know, there's a process to that. Do I wish I could have had kids at like 23, 24, 25? And so like I could be a great grandpa one day? Absolutely. But yeah. it's it, not realistic. It's not realistic. Today's day. No. Like kind of what I was getting at is, so this kid, right? I'm not going to say his name, but the... He was very, he's a smart kid. It seemed like to be a smart kid. And he's from Boston. And you could tell he like matured fast. You could tell he's like learned a lot being away from home, going to school, going to college. It's a long way from home. Yeah. And we kind of related from the fact that like I moved away to go to the military and all that stuff. And we, we kind of hit it off really quickly. And his biggest pro like his biggest problem, his biggest question to me and like to be other people in the shop that were, we were chatting it up was he's like, um, all these girls that I date and they break up with me or I have to break up with him or them is that the, he's like, dude, I, it's like all of a sudden all the problems hit. And it's like, he says, I look at myself and I'm like, dude, how did I not see that coming? How did I not? And when I looked at him, I was like, did you see any red flags that you ignored? Like early on in the interaction relationship. And he looked at me and you could tell that he was like, Mm. kind of struggling to admit but he was like yeah he's like i mean no but like and i was like you don't have to tell me because it might be embarrassing but really think about it look at your intuition and like the things you've seen because clearly it's happened multiple times if you feel like it's bothering you you know because he was like dude i just don't know i don't know why i can't see it i don't know why everything hits at one time and it's like how did i not see that i was like you did see it i promise you but your intuition you ignored your intuition. You ignored the red flags. And I was like, but regardless of the losses, or we'll say it's a loss, but like a lesson you learn from that relationship or whatever, moving forward, you know what to look for. You know what to see. And I kind of compared it to, because he played sports, I can remember like watching game film. It's like, you don't learn from winning. You don't learn from beating a shitty team. You don't learn from going on like an eight game win streak. All you know, it just feels good to win. But... What do you learn from? You learn from losing like 10 games in a row and like watching the film and being like the close ones. Be like, ah, like, look what we did wrong. Look what we did. Like, okay, we got to fix that now. And like the only way. Where was the busted coverage? Yeah. Where was the busted coverage? Where was like the sloppy effort? Yes. And sometimes you don't know. The lack of focus. Lack of focus. And sometimes you don't know unless you really reflect. But game film is just an easy way because it's visual. You can see it. Yeah. But sometimes you really have to step out and be like, okay, this person was shitty and broke up with me. But looking back, like, okay, what did I see that I ignored? 
And then moving forward, if I see it again, I may not like break up with them or I may not, you know, think they're shitty because of it, but I'll take note of it and see how it goes. When there's different ways that you can go about it, right? There's That's just one way. There's so many different ways. Like there's different, I saw one person was talking about like this thing called the Instagram test. And it's like, okay, would you let, and it was two factors to it, right? And uh-huh. this is just like an easy way to start like immediately filter, fil- an immediate filtration system, right? You go to a girl's Instagram, one, question number one, would you let your mom free, free float the Instagram? Okay, that's question number one. Would you mm. be ashamed to let your mom, or would you have to be selective and let, like pick photos? <laughs> Click on and, the picture, let yes. it look at it, don't let yes. her grab it. Don't yeah. let her hold it and scroll, right? Mm. Is that That's question number one. And number two, would you want your daughter to be like that and post that kind of yeah. Instagram? That's the that's two really questions. That's really good, actually. And that's, the, that's just one. That's why I say, like you what you were saying, that's like kind of, that's like really diving deep into it. That's this. That, and that's so simple too. That's exactly. Very easy. This like little Instagram test. That's such an easy, just immediate filtration system where you probably can filter out roughly like fifty to sixty percent of females. <laughs> yeah. Because like that tells you right off the jump, is this girl something of value or is she looking for attention? And it's all tied to that, right? Like if if most likely if your mom can't free float that Instagram, it's because. There's stuff on there that's provocative, and the only reason, in my opinion, why someone's posting that is for attention because they lack the confidence that they, it's a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. And they, they want the confidence boost that they get whenever they post stuff like that and the reassurance that it brings. Mm-hmm. Even if it is just a random like or somebody in your messages hollering at you. Just it's a to, dopamine hit. It's, yeah, no, and that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. So that's just, and you know, that's just such an easy, simple way to do it right there. And I, I was reading the other day, and that was just me on, you know, because our TikToks and our Instagrams are a little bit different, I feel like, than most people's. Because a lot of my stuff that I send are things like that. Mm-hmm. And so my Instagram yeah, pushes too. content like that to me. And so I don't really get pushed content that's goofy or, you know, cringy necessarily. Girls shaking their butts. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that kind of content because uh-huh. I, I end up just scrolling past it. It's not something that I'm trying to entertain. Mm-hmm. And so when... I get on, you know, my TikTok. That was just something I happened to see the other day. And I was like, mm, that's good. Social that's really media is good. so bad. I think my dad was talking to me about it, how how so bad social media can be. But it's really not bad or good. It's just far ends of the spectrum. Because, like, for us, with, like, the construction company, with the podcast, for us, social media is very good. So I think of it as an accessibility thing. It creates a world of un- it creates a world of unending accessibility to almost any end of the world that you're wanting to get into mm-hmm. in today's day and age, whether it's social media or, I mean, 20 years ago was 2004. You couldn't get on an, a phone and go on the internet. No. That was like a separate part of your plan. They didn't have that just easy access. You know, that wasn't a thing. And so that, the, uh, the accessibility in today's day and age is endlessly reachable. You can reach any part of wherever you're trying to get to. So it's more about discipline. What are you, are you being a shit ass and pursuing things that aren't building your value? Mm-hmm. Or are you being, and, and today's day and world requires more discipline than ever because yeah, they're yeah. of the accessibility. So are you being disciplined more than any other generation has ever had to be? Because I can go look at a naked girl on my phone in two seconds mm-hmm. and watch them get got, you know, get got. Mm-hmm. And like, that's easy. That's such an easy dopamine hit for me. You know, so it's, it's about maximum levels of discipline in today's day and age. So you're really seeing, and that's why I think 
it's all about, like you were saying, what are you pursuing? What are you like exposing yourself to? What are you surrounding yourself with? What that's mm -hmm. filling your table is more important than, today than it has ever been. Yeah. And I think like you hear the algorithm, like the algorithm sees this, sees that, but there's like an algorithm to life. I feel like everything you do, I, I seen a clip earlier, I forgot who it was, but they were saying that everything you do matters. And you can look at both sides. You can say nothing matters, but everything you do matters. Like the, we talk about auditing, right? And that's kind of like basically giving it, giving that value where like everything matters. Like the, the daily habits matter. Picking up the weights you picked up earlier to just get like a little quick pump before the pod to get your mind right. That mattered. Mm -hmm. Not doing it also mattered in a different kind of way. Getting the coffee versus not mattered, but doesn't matter in a good way, bad way. I don't know. Everything you do, hot, choosing to drink water, enough water throughout the day matters. Not in like getting the Fanta, the strawberry How Fanta. much screen time you allow yourself. That matters. matters. Yeah. Everything you do matters. But even on, and like to put that into like a perspective, right? You could be a doorman, right? At a really good hotel, but make minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you could be opening the door for some of the nicest, richest people in the world. Okay. You might be in New York. You never know who you're going to open that door for. Mm -hmm. You never know whose dishes you're going to wash. You never know whose trash you're going to bring or who you're going to go out the way for. Because if you're doing, that's why I tell you all, it's so important to do everything you do, especially when it comes to just like your job, your career, your relationships, everything you do, do it to 110% because somebody's going to observe that at some point and an opportunity and a door will open because you've been giving 110%. But you will never see those opportunities if you're a half-asser. Mm -hmm. and half-assers they get mad because they don't get opportunity where's my when do i get my turn you don't put any effort in mm -hmm. you put 50 percent effort in and expect results mm -hmm. you're never gonna see them you have to be willing to go all in no matter what it is whether it's doing sheetrock mud and sanding like somebody's observing somebody's gonna notice that whether it's an insurance and this is just a small perspective right whether it's an insurance company who's doing that job and you just pick up that claim and now they want to get you on as a preferred contractor Mm -hmm. So now you have an endless source of, of work coming from them. Mm -hmm. You never know who's watching. Somebody might see you work for another company and say, okay, that motherfucker's getting after it. They're not, they're using and abusing him. I'm going to offer him a salary job. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, boom, I've got a great job somewhere where I'm making three times what I was making just because I was giving them 110%. And buddy noticed. You never know who's watching. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what opportunity can be on the other side of you working hard versus you giving 50% effort. Mm -hmm. And that's just some, you know, real life example perspective for it. Yeah. And you talk about like opportunity and like what I was kind of like finished talking about, like the kid in the barbershop. But I was like, don't don't look at it as frustrating when you because you shouldn't get frustrated over girls like that, especially if you're dealing with problems. But the opportunity of being in like the rough relationships or like the rough girls, the ones that, you know, you don't want look at it. Don't stop like getting frustrated by it and just being like. Okay, now I know. Now I know what to look for. Now I know. Now I know that if I see this type of offensive scheme, this is the coverage I should use. Just relating it to sports because that's how I made it make sense to him. Because, like, your first relationship will not be your best one. I've never seen it. Young love for a reason. Yeah, never seen it, right? I've only seen a few of them where they're, like, middle school sweethearts. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And then even then, how? like, does that even work? Really long term. You know? I don't know yet. But like, th there's always an opportunity in every failure because I was like, if you win, there's really no opportunity in in like win or success. There's no opportunity. Like Little Wayne said it on like a clip I seen. He was like, be be grateful that you can't figure it out. Be grateful of like 
well, like why you're you're sucking right now assuming that you're doing the right things or you're putting an effort like be grateful for all that because it's still it's teaching you something because you don't like i said you don't learn from winning you don't learn from like when you hit the lottery the easy road doesn't teach you anything no it you doesn't have to, you have to be willing to go down those harder roads sometimes not no. every time but sometimes you have to be willing to you know get out of your comfort zone that's just a reality and that's probably what that kid lacks is like the cold reality of it is, is he probably just needs a confidence boost to be able to like say, okay, because why is he not noticing his red flags? Because he doesn't want to. And the reason you're not noticing red flags because you don't want to is because the confidence of being able to duplicate or replicate this is a challenge mm. or the idea of that doesn't sound easy. And so you're willing to let things go. So that's kind of my deeper analysis of that. In my opinion, again, it might be wrong, just yeah. how I would analyze that. I think the vibe, the vibe that I had got from him was that he was just inexperienced. Because I think for some people, like for me, I didn't have like a natural inclination to like be like a ladies' man. It took me a while to like start to figure out girls, but like once I did, I did, and like I will never be in a position to be, you know what I mean, to to let a girl like knock me off my path or whatever. But like I was at twenty years old, I was like him to where. That was me being like, dude, I don't know. Like, what? why did I let this happen? How did I let this happen? You know? But, like, it's just a lack of experience. Some people have a more talent or more, like, God-given skill for something. And some people don't. And I was like, you're learning. Like, stop looking at it as frustrating. Look at it as, like, you're learning. Like, now, you will never make that same mistake again. But if you do, that's on you. You know? Like, you have no one else to blame. You can't blame See, the girls. I don't even know what these mistakes, like, he's making. Yeah, I mean. And, like, what he's even, like. Me neither. Talking about necessarily. So it's hard to give exact advice on that. Yeah, and like he wasn't being specific opinion. either. But for me, you don't need specifics. I can tell you. Just testimony based. I was like, yeah. I was like, I can tell you from experience that you saw the red flags. You saw, like, your your gut told you something that you ignored. Something wasn't right. 100%. And you just looked past it. Yeah, and you're like. that big of a deal. Oh, this time. is fun. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Maybe I'll push that aside. Not worth, not worth bucking the system right now. Yeah, because. every little thing matters. Yeah. So when you look past those little things, that matters. Mm -hmm. That matters. You're basically saying, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing. is I've I've always been to a fault very much like. Look, this is what I, how I am. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I expect. And these are my boundaries. You know, I'm very upfront about that from the get-go because I, I feel like if you're upfront about it from the jump, it's not controlling. It's these are my boundaries. This is where I stand. Versus if you change your standpoint midway through something, it comes across as controlling. Even mm -hmm. though it might just be a boundary thing for you, like you don't feel comfortable with something. And that's okay. I don't think that that's controlling, in my opinion, to say like, "Look, I don't like it when you go on girls trips, or I don't like it whenever you're you're by yourself doing this out at night. Mm -hmm. it makes me nervous. I stay up late, and it's it's not safe for you. It's it's a dangerous situation. Anybody can scoop you up. You weigh 105 pounds, soaking wet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of that that kind of idea when you start putting it like I think it's I think it's more controlling based whenever midway through you're like ah. I don't want you doing this versus if you're up front, it's more of a boundary thing. Does yeah. that make sense? But then too, like a lot of times I feel like if you're not, cause a lot of times you don't know, like talking about the kid again, you don't know like what you should talk about before. If you've never had like problems, you know? Cause like that's, that's one thing. So you can't ever go wrong with just being honest about things. Yeah. But you don't, you don't know that if you don't know that. 
So, but here's the thing is if you feel like that about something, that's probably not going to change. So you do know that even if you don't want to acknowledge that, you know that. No, I'm saying like from experience, if you feel a lot of times you don't know what you, you like, or you don't like until you know, you know, like if let's say you like, you talked about girls going on girl trips, like some if, guys might be all right with that. You know, like yeah, there no, might be a world yeah, where some but I'm saying is like, it. if you, if you're, if you've never had a girl, you've had like how like five or six girlfriends that never have been on a girl's trip. You might not know that you don't like that. You might not know that that's like a problem, but then you do. And then you try like it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you like, oh, I see them posting pictures, doing this, doing that, like provocative type stuff. And you're like, dang, what the hell? Like, I'm not comfortable with that. And then you say it. And then she's like, oh, you're controlling. You just didn't know. But that's the point of, that's what I'm getting at is like, learning as you go because sometimes you don't learn something until it's already happened you know yeah that's fair and you can't you might really not like it but you didn't know you really didn't like yeah, it until, until it, it happened you know yeah and that's what i'm getting at i think that was kind of what the dude was getting at was that he's learning what he does and doesn't yeah appreciate and different because we in a relationship we know now we pretty much know what we like 100 percent are avoiding you back already and like our females you know what I mean? Yeah. But why? Because we're in our upper 20s. Though. Yeah. Been, he's 20. Yeah. So he just doesn't so that's, know. We've got six and seven years of dating experience on him. He's still in college, yeah. too. You know, like not even close to finish, probably. Like, yeah. You really through. start getting an idea of what, what the deal is. Yeah. Once you start getting out of that. And, and I, I told him just to kind of, you know, I know I said it did, but just to kind of look at everything as like an opportunity to learn. Like, don't look at a failure. Don't look at like a, a bad relationship as like just a bad relationship. Look at it as well, a good learning experience. So I like to imagine there's a person like, so here, here's your analogy, right? You've got a person here, here's your hole. And here's like your success where you're trying to get your failures can either be a wall you build up or they could be lessons that you use to fill this gap. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can get across to the finish line. And it's really just about how you use, like you said, are you going to learn from this? Or are you going to take this as, and let it get the best of you? And it, a failure is not a failure if you learn something from it. Mm -hmm. You can fail. And if you learn, to, like you said, when you lose, you gain something. But if you don't study film, how are you going to learn anything? Yeah. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. So it's like you have to take the lesson from the failure. So you can either build a wall in front of you. Oh, like this is why I didn't make it. Or you could say, okay, well, I can fill the hole of why I can't get to... And that's just a, you know, a picture analogy. That's literally what I was telling them. You see a lot of those like on Facebook and stuff, you know, mm -hmm, yeah. little pictures and it's like failure or lessons, you yeah. know, it's just little shit. Yeah. And I, I was trying to tell them too, that like, you don't see it now or like, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I was like, you, you want to like, you want to encounter hardships. You want to encounter bad relationships. Especially at that age. Your early twenties should just be like, sh should be fun, but like shitty and challenging, you know? Not shitty necessarily, but definitely challenging. Yeah. Because, like, that should be the shitty times is when, like, you're going through those challenges, the lows of that. Because, yeah. you know, with challenges comes highs and the success of those comes the low, comes the highs. And then with the challenges at the low points come the lows. And, you know, we've seen both sides of it. Yeah. I was trying to tell him, too. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't wish bad on you, but, like, I do wish challenges on you. Yeah. Because, like, if you. I don't want it to be easy. Yeah, I was like, if you have these aspirations or you want to do this, do that, like, you're not going to do it. You're not going to be good at it if you don't, like, fall on your ass or fall on your face sometimes. 
And I was like, I don't, like I said, I made a point to be like, I don't wish bad on you, but I wish challenges on you. So like in a way, in like a safe way, I do wish bad things on you, you know, because you don't learn. Tough times create t- tough men. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the analogy there. And I think that's kind of like, not to get all like super, super religious, but like, it's kind of, I think how God treats us a lot of times. Cause like. Well, in the Bible, bro, it tells us to be hardworking, to like sweat, to to use the body that he gave us because this doesn't come with us. So we might as well yeah. do good with it. Yeah. And like, not, a- not even doing good, but like when you talk, when people are like, why me? Why me? Why me? But like exactly like why you? Because you hear people say like God gives his hardest challenges to his strongest people. Like look, look at that as like, okay, what? Well, not why is this happening to me, but like, what is this happening for? So I like to imagine there's two different things there. So I like to imagine there's children of God. And then I like to imagine there's soldiers of God and like warriors of God and God's like army. And I know it sounds kind of goofy, but that's just in my head. That's how it's always made the most sense. Like children of God usually don't have like a very rough upbringing or haven't been through very traumatic situations. And it's, you know, been very blessed Mm -hmm. along the way. And those are like the children of God who maintain like the loving and the caring and the, that side of it. And then there's also like the, the warriors of God who either you can, and being, I feel like a warrior of God is not easy, right? Because you have to learn the lesson and like take the good from the tough. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, that's kind of helped me get through my stuff, you know, with losing Adam Roy and losing my dad and losing, you know, going through my situation as a kid and my upbringing and the family, you know, my situation that I grew up in. And so I always was under, that kind of helped me understand that like, okay, just because um, that's just God putting me through trials and tribulations so that I can come out on the other side and be a warrior of God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's how I always imagined it, just my perspective on it. And so just, uh, you know, I feel like there's two different sides of it, right? Because you do have one side of, you know, a very different lifestyle upbringing. And then you have this whole other side where it's very blessed lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, and very, I don't like calling it cookie cutter because I feel like that's a shitty label to put on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not bad to be cookie cutter. You know, that means you had it good. So like, there's not bad, there's not, it's not bad, mm-hmm. you know? So two sides of it for me. Yeah. Thing to two perspectives. You hear like the storm, like you hear people say, like going through the storm, you're not supposed to come out the same. That's the point of it. Like whatever your storm is, where like you experiencing a lot of loss or any anybody experiencing loss, anybody experiencing whatever your your storm is. But that's kind of like the point of like the that's where like God and like the hero villain arc meet. Because when you're in the storm, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to say, like, God hurt me, not literally, but God, God brought me this trauma. Do I want to make sure that no one else feels like this or I can like support other people who have gone through the same thing as me or opposite like villain arc, like screw this, like this sucked. I want to make everything suck for everyone else. And that's like the, that's like the visualization of like the storm, like hero villain arc type of thing. And, uh, like for me, when I see, I, I don't know, this might be kind of fucked up in a way. This might be a little not good to look at, but when we talked about 
the kid and kind of wishing challenges on him. I wish that on like every young person, especially like males. Like if like your brothers, even like my brother, a lot of kids, late teens, early 20s, like I wish challenges on you because for like your future family, your future kids, your future spouse, how are you going to take care of them? How are you going to do what you need to do? If you want to do anything great or somewhat good, how are you going to be able to do that without challenges, without you say it sounds shitty, but that's kind of the tough reality of being a man. Is but that I'm saying like a lot be. of people will hear that and be like, dude, what the fuck? Like, so if you hear you? that and you cringe to it, I'm, you're probably cookie cutter, cookie cutter or yeah. soft. And like, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, that's just the reality of it. And I don't feel like, I mean, look at why you think divorce rates are so fucking high, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every, it, it, it all adds up at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to sit here and argue with somebody about it. Yeah. Because the math math's on it. And yeah. the, I've always, the healthiest relationships are the ones that I, I, I idolize and I try to, you know, pursue and be a similar to. Mm-hmm. So it, it, because it, it, those are the grandparents that I see with the happy family and the 12 grandkids, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what I want. Whether it's a family unit, no one in that family is divorced and, you know, it's happy. And they, they live a long generation's worth of, you know, a, a unit, a freaking unit. That's it. Mm-hmm. So not everybody's built for that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about, like, opportunity from lessons learned, from challenges and, like, things to learn. We've had a lot of, like, opportunity when it comes to, like, doors opening and, like, challenges being presented. Let's talk about that a little bit. Are you trying to switch up? That's a bad. So you're talking about like just lately what we've been up to and just like our yeah, more or less current like status. So I, I think that we're definitely in a really good spot as far as just like an update on the lifestyle where, where we're at. We've been looking at a bunch of different properties and trying to figure out what we want to do and turn it like our goal at the end of the day is to flip houses. Right. And so that's kind of been the name of our game. And we've really just opened the doors lately to making that really happen at a bigger scale. So it's really just for us, I think opportunity is at its highest. Right. And to kind of transition from where we what we were talking about into like where we just get into full fledged updating, because I would like to talk about what we've got going on right now. I think that if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have a lot of challenges and opportunity in your realm, I challenge you to get outside of your comfort zone because Mm -hmm. when we get outside of our comfort zone is whenever we find ourselves with the most doors open and the most opportunity Mm -hmm. typically, right? Like you leaving the Navy opened more doors than you could ever imagine. Now, is that a comfortable process? No, no (laughs) at all. Right. Not even a little bit, but like, does, does it have to happen or you get, or you're trapped into a, the matrix style lifestyle? Yes. Like you have, you know what I'm saying? Like that's part of taking the red pill. And that's part of like putting yourself through. You don't have to lose somebody in your freaking family for you to go through challenges. You don't have to, like someone doesn't have to die for that to happen. You don't have to like be abused sexually or physically for that to happen. That's just, I went through extremes, Mm -hmm. right? That's just like extreme situations. It doesn't have to be that traumatizing. It just has to be challenging. It has to be something that you can't just get done like that. That mm-hmm. you have to actually like think it through, 
work through the process of it emotionally, physically to come out on the other side of it. And that's, that's where I feel like the opportunities really start to happen, right? Whenever you step out of that comfort zone and you're willing to put yourself in situations where it's, it's not just a one night fix, like where we can go and just screw the shutters in real quick and it's done. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you need to like break this down. How are you going to learn how to, you know, you've got to drill into the, the brick. It's like, there has to be a process to it in order for it to actually learn something, right? If I just go and slap some screws in it, what do we learn? To put screws in? We already know how to do that. There has to be a challenge to it. It can't just be something that you can snap your fingers and it'd be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the, doesn't have to be super traumatizing or a super difficult or super crazy situation. It just has to be situations that you're not comfortable in. Discomfort stimulates growth. Consistently. Yeah. And so to kind of transition into what we're talking about now, as far as opportunity goes, I feel like we're in a really good spot as far as opportunity goes, where not only are we doing the clientele work and having, you know, word of mouth, social media, um, website, Google, all of that realm working, we're also getting into a new, we're opening new doors where we're looking at potential properties to buy. Because here's the thing is that when you buy these properties and to kind of fill everybody in, because I know not everybody knows this. So if you ever want to get into like the, the, the flipping game, as far as, you know, I wouldn't say go into rentals right away. That's more of a long-term thing. Um, flipping houses is like the short-term version of buying rental properties and renting them out, right? It's a quick flip. It's a quick lick. Um, but you can take that money and buy long-term. So, and that's kind of my suggestion. Um, but when it comes to buying flips, you have to have cash financing. Everything has to be cash up front because no mortgage company out here is going to finance a house that doesn't have cabinets or countertops or it won't pass an inspection. Yeah. That won't pass a functioning FHA approval inspection. No company is, is going to finance that. So your buyer's market goes down to a very, very small pool of people, like less than 1%, I would say. And so now you're dealing with a situation where as the, the contractor slash, because we've really finessed the situation. And I say finesse, we've just done the, the work right. We've gotten it to where we buy the house as an individual and hire our construction company to do the work. And so we have to be willing to come in at cash to buy these houses because nowhere's going to finance it, which immediately gives us all the leverage on these houses. So we can come in way below the asking price because they all they can do is say no, and no one else can finance this, so they're not going to get many offers. So it's a really good opportunity for you, and they understand that that's the situation. So they know that you're here to make money, and they understand that they have to be willing to sell it for a certain price for you to make your margins. And that's kind of where our opportunities are right now, where we're running around. I mean, how many properties have we looked at in the last week? Like four. Four or five, yeah, at least. And it's, you know, different pieces of land or <clears throat> houses that are completely gutted. Or you see a lot of succession sales where someone has passed away and they're selling an old property that needs to be getting rid of. Yeah, or- we saw that one yesterday. It was like, you could tell they were trying to, Get it to yes. really nice, but they just like half-ass. They ran out of. You off. could tell where they ran out of money, because mm-hmm. yeah. everything up to that point was great, right? The, <laughs> All the expensive stuff wasn't like the floors, yes. the granite countertops. Yes. Everything was just not yet there. Probably about 30, 40 grand short, but now they're in a situation where it's like we have to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And so, 
there's there's definitely a world for and I would recommend real estate flipping. There's there's get you a good real estate agent and find you good contractors and you can pretty much make an endless source of money if you have the upfront cash to be able to finance it because mm-hmm. you have to self finance. And so let's say you buy a house like couple of the ones we've been looking at have fallen at that like 180-ish price. So let's just say you get one for 150 and you put 100 grand into it. So you're at 250K. You can sell this for, and now add in your commissions. You might be a little bit over that. You might be a little bit under that. It just depends on how much you put into the house. But let's just say you're 250 into it. If this is a 2,500 square foot home that's selling for, let's just say 125 a square foot, You're looking at a $310,000, $315,000 sale price. So you've got two hundred fifty dollars into that. That's a $60,000 margin profit there. So there's a lot of cash to be made there, and there's a whole lot of opportunity. And that's kind of where we're at right now, where we're just getting into this new world where we're starting to open new doors, and we're getting into bigger bids and bigger jobs, and we're starting to scale, which feels good. I feel like We've been kind of anticipating this for a while. So to finally be at that point where the opportunities are here and all the hard work has kind of paid off feels really nice. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're kind of on that same boat because you've been a process of that. So what do you think as far as like with our current, like where we're at right now currently, what's the biggest challenge you think that we're going to run into? As far as just like trying to turn these houses over, you think it'll be selling them? You think it'll be buying them? You think it'll be, because I think the work part of it's going to be the easy part because that's what we know how to do. I think buying and selling, in my opinion, is going to be the challenge. I think the biggest foreseeable challenge is how do we just like do it smoothly? Because it's easy if there's like a singular problem with the house, right? It's easy because boom. There might be a hiccup, might be a problem with like boom, processes and fixable. procedures. You're but whenever it's like a completely gutted house, how does everything run smooth from start to finish that we can foresee? Because I think the big, the biggest challenge overall will be unforeseeable challenges. And I'm, I can't sit here and say and that's why they're the biggest ones because we don't yeah, know they. Exist. You don't know because if you if you know a roadblock is coming, you can understand. Okay, there's a roadblock. Take a detour route. Take a detour route. But if there's a massive detour or there's a massive roadblock and there's no detour for how do you figure like out 30 miles before you got to go all the way back. It's like, God damn it, man. Like there's no way we could have seen that. So you can't really be mad, but it's still frustrating. I think that'll be the problem is there's going to be unforeseeable problems, but being able to like roll with the punches and being like, okay, how do we smoothly, uh, like digress and then move forward. Like what figuring out the right process and the right procedure in order to like smoothly move this house forward without having to backtrack anything. Yeah. Not like knowing, knowing when to, for example, like doing the plumbing and the electrician and the electrical and the HVAC before we put sheetrock up so that it's not covered. Yeah. Cause and some people really don't know. I mean, you wouldn't know that if you haven't, if you don't have experience. Yeah. But see, that's like a, that's like a foreseeable challenge cause we know, yeah. you know, and there might be some things that we should have known, but you know, There's, when you're flipping up, when you're doing didn't. a whole house, bro, it's easy to overlook one or two things. Mm-hmm. It, it happens. Yeah. Cause that's and a, that's, that's a big, of it. that's a big project it's compared big to just doing 
one or two things in a house or whatever. When it, it's probably the closest thing to what we've done as far as like our um, like when we were doing massive storm damage repairs for Hurricane Ida, mm-hmm. where you kind of have to come in and you have to do these jobs from start to finish, mm-hmm. and it's the process of it is, you know, insulation, sheetrock, texture, paint, trim work, flooring or flooring then trim work. You know, mm-hmm. it's the process to it is pretty similar, and but at the same time every house is different. Right. And so that's, that's been the main thing for me is we've gone in five different houses and every single house you walk in, you have to have a different understand. You pretty much have to, whatever you thought about on the last house that you were thinking about, forget it. You have to imagine a whole new price per square foot. You have to start, like we walk in and I bring a little notebook and I kind of go room by room on estimating what it would cost per room to get it back to a fully functioning sellable FHA approved home. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge in itself, just walking around and being able to immediately spot something with your eye and saying, okay, this needs to be done or this needs to be done. And this is going to cost us about this much, or this might be a amount Mm -hmm. and being able just to get an overall bid, because if you don't have an idea on how much it's going to cost, how are you supposed to bid it properly? Yeah. And know that the sale price that you're going to get for it is not going to be over how much money you've spent and had to put into it. Cause like we were lucky to see it, but and we haven't like pulled the trigger on it, but the house we saw yesterday with like the bathroom, there's just a shit ton of mold, like a football size area of mold on the roof or the yes, ceiling on the sheetrock. So like that's and it's just an AC duct that has been leaking, but at the same time, that's a problem. Yeah, but also like imagine if that's not there and it's just on the other side and we yeah. don't check that, mm-hmm. we buy that and it's like a just a massive roadblock. That's what I mean, like unforeseeable. We're just lucky to have seen that. For sure. We'll see. And then every house we would buy, we would always get an inspection done prior. There's like an, a 10-day inspection period that mm-hmm. you have before it closes to where you get to bring in an inspector, get them to look at everything. If anything comes up that's out of the ordinary, you can get out of your contract. But even then, inspectors are people too. Like for my house, when I got my house, they they should have had a skylight in it in, in Florida. And... They should have looked at it. They should have made sure that like the seal was there because that's what they look at. That's like a big point is windows and all that stuff. Right. But they didn't look at it. They didn't get on the roof and they didn't get a ladder and like see. And there was a massive leak. It was just not really sealed. Right. Mm -hmm. And dude, like the first two or three weeks I was in my house. My couch is just completely fucking soaked. Oh, no. You know what I mean? And that's not a good feeling. And. I know he didn't look at it because I was watching him do the inspection the whole time. I was literally just talking to him the whole time and he didn't get on the roof. He didn't get in the ladder and look at it. And at that point I wasn't really educated on like how what, an inspection what needed worked. to be checked. Yeah. Deal. You know, cause we do more than shit, bro. We'll go into these houses and I get up in the attic every time. Pretty much. That's a mandatory for me. I need to see the units up top. I need to see if there's hot water heaters up there. Mm-hmm. I need to see what the ductwork looks like. Is the insulation in there? Do they mm-hmm. have enough insulation? All of that kind of stuff matters. Mm-hmm. So I'm very particular about the attic space. Low-key is one of the most expensive spots. Stuff's not up there. Yeah. It costs a lot to get it up there. Between all the pipes, between heating yeah, and bro. cooling water. Like a hot water heater is a couple hundred dollars or a thousand or two, depending on what size you get and how big or depending on what you need, you know? Mm-hmm. And then same thing with like a indoor, the indoor AC unit that goes upstairs, the big, um, I forget what they call it, but it's like the indoor unit that goes, that pushes, that all the ducts connect to, that pushes out, mm-hmm. that connects where the AC fan from outside connects to and pushes the air too. So 
if that's not hooked up or if not in a good spot or looks rough, then that's a, I factor all of that in before I'm like, when I'm doing the bidding process, I make a point to, if I'm going to have to buy an AC, I'm deducting that off of the cost. Mm-hmm. Cause what I see is why the price is like this. The extras like that, like your garage door needs to be replaced. That's not cheap, bro. You have to get an engineer out here or the specific, not an engineer, but a specific, it's a very, you have to specialize in that because it has to do with gear ratios and how that door comes up and how that gear turns and all of that matters. The type of door too, yeah. how so many hinges. You have, to, you, you have to be somewhat mechanically inclined to be able to install stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. not cheap. They charge you a couple thousand because it's, at the end of the day, it's custom work and not everybody can do it. So it's about supply and demand. The demand there is probably really high because everybody has a has an automatic garage door and only certain people can install them and work on them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to charge you an arm and a leg. What it is. I didn't even get my, at my house in Florida, bro, I had like a small, like a single car garage. I didn't even get mine fixed like the whole time. It just had a handle. I would just do it yeah. by hand every time. It's, I mean, mine I'm not well. paying like, you know. A couple hundred dollars just to get them to come plug this thing in and redo like. Yeah. And then probably more. The motor was more, broken. Probably yeah. more. Yeah. Probably so, like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Not worth it. That. Not worth it. Not when no. it costs him 200 bucks, but at the end of the day, supply and demand. If you do something that specializes, you can charge more. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. It is what it is. So what do you think? What do you think would be like the biggest challenge like moving forward and like what we're doing? Um I'd say time. Time management? Yeah. I'd say time management and not even time management because a lot of it's going to be out of our control. But I think time's going to be the biggest challenge we run into where we're having to wait for these houses to close or they're not selling fast enough or materials not getting here in time or we have a where our timeline of how fast we're trying to turn this over doesn't look like it's we're going to meet schedule or we want to flip x amount of houses in a year and we're only here say we want to do five this year four this year my goal this year is to say let's do three to four Mm -hmm. we do three or four houses that we you know fully turn over really well this year then next year we can probably scale up a notch Double it almost. And then double it almost, right? Mm -hmm. Because we'll be comfortable in the situation. But we have to make a certain percentage margin. Typically, 30 to 40% is what most people want to make on their first crew before they grow a second one. Mm -hmm. And so you have to know, okay, well, this is how much we're profiting here. This crew is fully functioning. Can that first crew operate without you? You know, that's important too. Do they need me? Because if they need me, I can't be at the other crew. That crew is going to need me to develop them. Mm -hmm. So you have to take all that into consideration. All that has to be factored in. Yeah, I think sometimes scaling up is not the answer. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's sometimes shit scaling down can be the answer. Your overhead just, might kind of like you might make get more, you on the back. You might end. make more margin doing a smaller scale and end up with more profit. Like say you're on a massive scale, but you're only making like five ten percent. If you make five to ten percent on a million dollars, you're only making a hundred thousand a year. Mm-hmm. But if you make thirty percent. On four hundred thousand, what's that come out to? I should be able to do that in my head. Uh-huh. That's one hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah. So it's like you make more money making thirty percent on four hundred thousand than you do if you make ten percent on a million. So yeah. it's like it's not worth scaling at that point. You have to really be all that has to be considered. Because if you scale up and this crew's not making money, then you have to take profits from this crew to pay for that crew, and that's where you really fuck up. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of restaurants go under Yeah, because one restaurant will start and this restaurant can't function. So they're having to pull profits where this restaurant was doing really well. 
but they're using this money to pay for this one, and now they're both doing bad. Dude, not to not to get off topic and talk about restaurants, but it to me it's crazy. Like when you start a restaurant, you literally have to put it in your business plan that it's gonna fail at some point. At like within usually within a lifetime or so, unless you're there's like that two percent of like elite restaurants that just don't, but they're always like everything's like perfect, like the way they run their bars. And even then, those restaurants. They're usually corporate. Yeah, like and, the Chili's, and they Applebee's. Don't, and they don't sustain. They just relocate. Mm-hmm. So, like, that Chili's on Segan, for example, might have been good 20 years ago. No one goes there now. Mm-hmm. So, like, in theory, that one's probably going to close down. But Chili's isn't going to close down because they'll just open another Chili's on Millerville. And they, I feel like you a lot of I those mean? restaurants usually re- acquire other branches or other restaurants. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> He looks so goofy just now. He's sleeping, bro. He was yeah, he's sleeping. his tongue's hanging out. He can barely open his eyes. <laughs> yeah, so restaurants are definitely a weird... I would not recommend getting into the restaurant world unless that's something you just absolutely my family, love. My family's... My dad's side of family's in that, and they... Not that they, like, failed, but they, they haven't been successful long-term, you know? Well, at a certain point, it's like... It's a lot I feel of like effort. if you get to a point... In a restaurant where it's very successful, you should probably sell it and take yeah. the cash and cash it out. Maybe yeah. just start that venture where you just are the startup and you get them going and then you sell it off for a profit and start a new one and take some profit from the old one. Yeah. There's that, that you know, everybody's different on how they want to make it and everybody's got different confidence levels. Like I wouldn't be confident doing that, but I know a couple people that would, mm-hmm. that would happily do that it's because a, they feel confident in themselves. It's a lifestyle. A restaurant. It's a lifestyle and it's like an everyday... I think most things are, but restaurants between like ordering the food, making sure like you have enough things at all times to be able to sustain your menu, having like your manager on point, getting like the the crews right. Like look at like the Mexican restaurants that have like the tortilla people. Yeah. Like that's just a full crew just pumping out tortillas. And you're that's what makes that place. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. that homemade tortilla is like what separates them. Yeah. From the every other Mexican restaurant around here that just buys, you know. And that's what I mean, a like regular tortilla from the store. In in Baton Rouge, if I don't know how many people are in Baton Rouge that listen, but Baton Rouge is such like a volatile place for restaurants. You're either There's really so many. when you start, you either succeed and you everyone goes there all the time, or you just boom, like hit the toilet, flush, boom, gone, done. Mm-hmm. I feel like every restaurant around here gets busy for like the first three to six months. And depending on how they do in that first three to six months kind of establishes if they're going to be a long-term place or if it's just a, a one-term one, a one hit wonder. Usually like, I feel like eight to 10 months of any restaurant here is like, okay, how are they doing now? Yeah. Cause everybody's always hyping up a new restaurant. I worked in the restaurant industry for a while. And I remember we switched into, we went from a, Italian to Mexican restaurant and the first three to six months were phenomenal. I made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But then once that one hit wonder and we didn't hold up to probably pars level what people expected. Now all of a sudden, you know, those return clients are coming back. So you're slowing down. You go from making $300 a night to mm-hmm. 50 and it's like, Oh no, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And then two, like you hear location, 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 but that's a thing. Yeah. That's a sure. very much a thing. Cause I'll talk to accessibility. Our- yeah, and like value, like who, mm-hmm. like I talked to my barber about why, like why he is like stunted in his growth because people don't value a premium haircut and like a premium barbering service. Yep. 
It's just the area. Not, not in this place. Not no. here. You're, you got to go to Atlanta or go to Chicago. Or Dallas. To somewhere whatever. big. Yeah. Even like New Orleans. But same thing with like a restaurant. You have to. Okay. If I'm opening a, like a like a really authentic Mexican like taco place with like everything you'd find at a place like in San Diego or in like Houston. Would people here in certain like upper class areas here, would they value that? Probably not. They might just, you know, just to go check it out, but it's not realistically probably not sustainable because you don't see many places like that. There's maybe like two or three like fucking like taco taco places. And even then it depends. It's a market area. Right. But then you look around and like places like so we're on campus pretty much at LSU. You're within campus's reach. At, I'd probably say like 60 percent of Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. in br so places like supper club for example where it's like a vegas oriented thing which kind of caters to like a fraternity sorority style where it's like people are trying to get bougied out and put their nicest dress on that they went to the ball and that they you know i went you to got the, a res- i went to the, i went to a mardi gras ball in new orleans and i'm trying to wear that dress again so i'm going to supper club with me and my girlfriends and we're going you know spend 500 on what might have cost 150 somewhere else but certain things, it's a market thing, right? And so you have to understand that, like, it make, uh, authentic Mexican restaurant's not going to do well here. But a Vegas-style club with dinner will. Because will. There, there's, like, a market for, like, the... Because ba- I wouldn't say Baton Rouge is bougie, but there's, there, like, a, is. a market for... Baton Rouge is bougie. No, there's just, like, a market in Baton Rouge for, like, bougie... Like, the sub. that's why the suburb club's successful, it's even it's even ducked off too. You can't really see it from the road. So but. there's nothing else in Baton Rouge other than I'd say LSU. So and that's a high dollar cash flow thing. So if my opinion, I would say Baton Rouge is pretty bougie. I I mean as far as just there's nothing to do. So there's boutiques everywhere there's a lot of places for people with money to go spend money there's a lot of like that upper class lifestyle stuff to do just to keep you busy Mm -hmm. and that's what i mean by bougie i mean like like if you go to new orleans it's not bougie there because it's got the french quarters there's nothing bougie about the french quarters but it's a popular place so like at the end of the day i would say baton rouge is, is bougie because that's the only thing it has to offer really yeah, that's what that, I mean. Like, there's a market for there's it. A, that's it. Yeah. And that's why it, That's why those kind of places succeed. And you have to understand, too, that when you go... I, I tie LSU to that because, I mean, tuition at LSU is fucking 15 grand a semester. Mm-hmm. And when you want to be in a sorority, you're looking at 7000 more a year. So it's like, in total, you're spending roughly 30000 40000 a year, maybe even fifty k a year just to go to school here. So you have, there has to be a money market there. That's so much cash flow going through that that university, mm-hmm. and so that creates. I I mean, how much of the percentage of money going through the city of Baton Rouge finds its way through campuses' origin? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At least twenty five, thirty percent. It's a it's a good sized market. So you really start putting in perspective, like these people live an upper class lifestyle by going to an elite college, so they're going to expect an elite lifestyle. Right off the jump. It's fucking LSU, man. Come on. You know what I mean? Like that 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 feeling. You go to campus, you you the magnolias everywhere. It feels like a, a bougie place. 
Mm. Everything about that area is bougie. You go walk around the Rouses, you go to all the little breweries around there. It's a bougie market right there. All the nice restaurants are on that same Perkins stretch right there. It's just what it is. I would definitely say, but then you have the whole up, like you've got a whole different world where if you go to like North Baton Rouge, it's a lot lower income. And then when you get to like the south side of, southwest side of Baton Rouge, which is where we are, it's more of like a family unit style, but it's still bougie out here. Like everywhere around, I'd say like down, like Elliott in this area, Hushatu, that's one of the bougiest areas in, in the city. I went to high school right there in that in same, you know what I'm saying? In mm-hmm. Shenandoah, that's a nothing but a bunch of bougie people. Yeah, I think a lot of it is like wannabe bougie. Like Baton Rouge is very wannabe Houston, wannabe Dallas. It's not wannabe NOLA. We don't have a lot. We really don't have a lot. It's just kind of like, because I was gone for almost like 10 years and not a lot has changed, but the things that have changed are like, you can see we're trying to be, trying to be bougie. We're trying to be cool. We're trying to be like Houston, trying to be like Dallas. A lot of like, there's not like an identity in Baton Rouge. It's a middleman. Yeah, because it's like the state capital, but really New Orleans. When you think of Louisiana, you think of New Orleans. You don't think of like New Orleans and Baton Rouge. You see the LSU logo, LSU colors, but that's it. That's it. There's no, like, if I try to explain Baton Rouge to somebody, I can't. I I can talk about LSU. That's it. I can talk about LSU and like the plants. And there is a market for selling here, like a sales market here, because we are a middleman between like Houston, New Orleans, the ports. Like there is a lot of, you know, Florida where we are in the middle. So there is a market for that. So if you're like into the sales industry. Yeah. I'm, I mean, more so like culture. There's no like, no, ident- no, like no. identity here. But that's like what, when you really start thinking about like the economy of, mm-hmm. of Baton Rouge, it's a sales market, a sports market and, and plant, plant mm-hmm. lifestyle. And really the plant lifestyle is on the outskirts. So most of those people travel. They don't even work in the city. Mm-hmm. Some of them live don't live in the city either because no, they don't like making that far. drive. Yeah, but I think we're just about out of time, brother. Yeah, we're about that at that hour mark. Pretty solid pod today, man. Pretty good little um, weekday up. Yeah, we uh we're out of banks, <clears throat> so this was like the next pod to go up. Yeah, we're gonna been start doing pretty good though. I think after you got back from Japan, we played catch up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that kind of like threw me off. Yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do? It's only one. I'm not about the pod by myself. Yeah, that's weird. That would be. I don't know how I would do that. We just have to like pot. The only way no we just want to. No, I'm, there would be no we. There'd be no eye to it though. I'm saying it'd be, we'd have to do like a few pods before, like so a that, little practice. Like, one singular like, person. No, I'm saying like have like three or four stored up mm-hmm. just in case. Like if you if I went out of town, you could post like those two or three. Mm-hmm. If I'm like gone for my honeymoon or like. You know what I'm saying? Because like, what happens when one of us gets married and we're gone for like three weeks? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What are we gonna do then? We had to build a few of them. I think we should. I haven't even really thought about that. I don't know if you have, but we should maybe like test it out and see. You know, like maybe post one where maybe do it shorter too, because an hour by yourself is a long time to be talking. If I'm doing a solo pod, I'm doing like T Roy's bets. Yeah. And doing like a soul, like I'm gonna do like a, <laughs> a 20 minute betting segment of like lines that I like for this week. Yeah, like something goofy like that. I don't know what I'd like about. a sub episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'd have to specialize in something. I would have to like talk to the camera and be like really intimate talking to like y'all or like you. You know what I mean? It would be weird. I think it'd be fun, but it'd be weird. 
Do like a little 25 minute app just like by yourself. Maybe I'll like video myself playing Fortnite or something or, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. 2K, playing video myself in the park, do a pod like that. You'd probably be trash. Like being <laughs> on camera. Be really, probably be really bad. On camera and playing 2K would be too much. Yeah, that's all we got to for today though. <sighs> Pretty good weekday up. Always good. Always good. We'll what you want to end it, what you want to end it on? Um I'm not too picky about that. It's just uh shit. Got a lot to do today, really. So Yeah. See y'all later. Yeah, we got baseball <laughs> practice later. I'll see y'all later. Y'all yes, be sir. careful. Till yes, next sir. time. Episode. Go. Dansky.